This episode of The Winding Stairs is made possible by freemasonryart.com. You have arrived at The Winding Stairs, a program dedicated to Masonic education and the art of self-improvement. I am your host, Juan Sepulveda, and I thank you for joining me on this journey up the winding stairs. Hello and welcome once again to The Winding Stairs. I thank you for taking the time to join me in this personal journey of becoming better men, of living a life worth emulating. On today's episode, we have the privilege of speaking with a brother who has taken the task of helping brothers remove their superfluities by bringing a lot of brothers together to share light in masonry. Today we're speaking to no other than Robert Hurd, the publisher of Living Stones magazine, one of the leading Masonic publications in the nation. If you haven't read this magazine yet, I encourage you to do so, and you'll probably be more inclined to do just that after listening to my conversation with Brother Robert Hurd. On this episode, we talk about Brothers Hurd's beginnings in Freemasonry. We talk about the place that the art of grammar should have in our lives and the place that it actually has today in Freemasonry and society. We also discuss different things about what to do if you're not getting exactly what you're expecting from Freemasonry. If your lodge doesn't seem to be delivering what you expected from them, he has a very simple advice that can help you change the view you have of Freemasonry altogether. So I invite you to listen to the conversation that I have with Brother Robert Hurt here on The Winding Stairs. Brother Robert, welcome to The Winding Stairs. Juan, thank you very much. It's certainly a pleasure and uh, an honor to be asked to be on your show. It's a pleasure to have you with us. We've been virtual friends for a long time, and we finally get a chance to speak face to face. So it's definitely a pleasure to to do that. And I wanted to start with one of the things that connects with the winding stairs. I, I want to ask you a question regarding grammar. Are there any words that you hate or love? I think in general, the words that I uh, I dislike, I, I'd probably not say hate, but I, I really dislike it when people use words that aren't really words. You know, that, that seems to happen a lot in today's age. Um, so I think that's sort of in general. I can't think of any off the top of my head that particularly get on my nerves. Um, guys uh, guys say things, and I don't, I don't know if they make them up or they just hear them other places. The, the English language is just turning into something that I almost don't even understand anymore myself. So it's definitely hard. Well, definitely as a, as a publisher, this is one thing that should be that I can tell it's close to to you, the the importance of grammar and communication. Um, it, has this been an interest of yours for for a long time, or how long have you been in, interested in in the art of grammar? Uh, well, to be honest, I'm I'm horrible at it myself. Uh, it might seem a little hypocritical, but uh, um, the whole aspect of uh, writing and publishing and and whatnot. Uh, for me, the interest really came uh, from more of the desire to help other brothers 
to give them a voice, uh, not to just be some guy that sits on the mountain and uh, edits and criticizes others or whatnot. You know, I just uh, I really wanted to give a voice to other men. Uh, and, and it's certainly something that, in, again, in today's day and age, uh, even the written word has gotten a lot more difficult because, you know, penmanship is no longer taught in school. Uh, grammar and rhetoric are almost misunderstood nowadays even. Uh, so it's, it's definitely difficult. And I do want to help create an environment of interest again for men to be able to write and communicate effectively. Uh, and in our specific niche, uh, write and communicate about their experiences with Freemasonry. So, and I, I think that a lot of people usually find barriers. If they're not perfect at doing something, they might feel hesitant to embark on a project that requires that knowledge. Where today, with a little bit of help or dedication, we should be able to surpass that. Absolutely. And with your example, you said that you're not great at grammar a lot of us aren't but we <laughs> we are in that process of overcoming any kind of obstacle so that we can still make an impact and and really make a difference on the people that we that we engage with absolutely it, it like anything it takes practice and it takes uh the willing to or, or the desire rather to be better than you are in your current state you know you you come up with a goal uh, and you work towards it, uh, just like anything else. You know, uh, a few years ago, I got really interested in uh, what's called Spencerinian uh, handwriting. Uh, it was a form of uh, penmanship that was taught uh, around the you know early 1900s. Uh, and I practice and practice and practice. And to be honest, I'm still horrible at it. But I still have these these PDF uh, lessons from the 1900s that uh, teach oh, wow. penmanship. Uh, so that's just one of those things. Anybody, anybody can improve on anything. Uh, it, it just takes work. It takes labor and practice. And that's unfortunately, you know, with uh, many men these days, they feel like maybe they don't have time or maybe they're not interested because, you know, their buddies don't think it's cool or something like that. But uh, that's just that's the way it is. Well, we have we definitely have something in common there. Uh, that's one thing that I, I I'm very very passionate about handwriting. I I have my my books where I have an idea, I write it down there, and I have changed my penmanship at least three times in my lifetime, and it has wow. been on purpose. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so that's that's something that I I definitely want to see some of those PDFs if you don't mind. Oh, you bet. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll throw them up on the website. They're they're old things, but you know it's practice sheets on penmanship and flourishing uh, things that, that are called flourishing and stuff. So. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about in your process of, of editing for, for the magazine, I presume that today everything you receive is, is digital, right? Or do you still have handwritten notes for, uh, for not, yeah, not handwritten. So, so what happens is the majority of the, the articles that are sent to me are sent electronic. You know, somebody types them on a word processor uh, and then emails them to me. Uh, I do have every once in a while, I get some older gentleman, older brother uh, somewhere who will mail me a copy <laughs> of something. Uh, I haven't received any handwritten ones yet, but I have received, you know, hard copies that somebody will send me and say, can you publish this? Um, 
uh, you know, and from that, you know, to be honest, my, my wife is the, is the, the big copy editor, you know, I'm sort of the editor in chief and I read everything for sort of the content relevancy, uh, make sure that they haven't offended anybody, you know, whether intentionally or not and whatnot. But my wife is actually the, uh, the professional copy editor. She's a, she's a copy editor for a medical institution that, uh, that puts out medical information. So it has to have a very high degree of grammatical uh, and structural uh, integrity. And she, so she is very, very good at that. And she goes through the articles and does all of the things like, you know, make sure all the Oxford commas are there if they're not, and the parentheses are all there, and the end quotes are on that somebody left off. And, you know, some of the, some of the bigger things where a guy might, you know, he's typing away some stream of consciousness and he forgets words. And when he reads it back to himself, his brain is reading it correctly, but the words are actually not there. So, um, so she does the majority of that type of stuff. And again, I do, uh, I do the, uh, the content editing to make sure the content fits, uh, you know, our goal for the magazine. And then I, I do all the layout and the publishing type stuff uh, electronically, uh, sort of the artistic layout type stuff before it goes to print. Sounds like a very good, uh, a good team that uh, you have put together. I'm, I'm really lucky. I mean, without her, it, it, the, the quality of the magazine would definitely be, uh, be much lower. <laughs> well, that's... Uh, there's an expression that that says behind every great man there's a even greater woman right that's it you bet you bet <laughs> a well-rounded mason is continuously searching for light and in that pursuit he surrounds himself with the symbols that will remind him of the lessons learned today i am proud to share with you my latest work of art geometry this is the latest installment in the Liberal Arts and Science collection that you can see at freemasonryart.com. The artwork titled Geometry contains symbols of that noble art. I invite you to make it a part of your collection and surround yourself with Masonic symbols that will remind you of those timeless lessons. To see this new work, the Liberal Arts and Science collection, and to make them part of your collection, visit freemasonryart.com. I'm curious about to the beginnings of, of your career as a Mason. Uh, how, how did that begin for you? Okay. Um, so when I was about say 12 or 13, uh, my father showed me what were my grandfather's rings. My grandfather uh, had died before I was born. So I had no relationship with him. I didn't know the man, but my father gave me his rings. Uh, and my father was part of that generation that didn't join. He was part of that gap and he wasn't interested in it, but he felt, you know, maybe I would be. So he gave me my grandfather's rings. I actually, I wear my grandfather's ring, you know, basically every day. Uh, and so through my younger life, I was always fascinated by the mystique, you know, of, of masonry. What is it? The secret society and hardly anybody could tell me. Uh, and I had one friend of the family that I had asked about it. And he said, when, when you turn 21, you come ask me again. Uh, so I had thought that, you know, of course the age limit was 21, uh, at that place in that time. And I waited, uh, until I was about 22 years old and I was living here in Colorado. And I, and that 
friend of the family had, uh, had passed away. I didn't know any Masons. And uh, I told my wife, you know, I said, I, I have these rings and I think this is a way for me to get to know my grandfather and, you know, get to know the man that I'd never known, uh, re read things that maybe he had considered and contemplated and, and experience things that he had contemplated and therefore, you know, find a connection with my grandfather. So I wrote a letter to the Grand Lodge of Colorado and it was just one of those kind of, you know, silly open letter. I didn't know what to say. I just said, um, you know, to whom it may concern, my name is Robert Hurd and I, I would like to join your organization. I don't know anybody. Well, you know, I had a guy at my door the next day ringing my doorbell. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, you know, and things being what they were, this was 20 years ago. Uh, you know, they were, the craft was, you know, hurting for members. So they were, they were anxious to get me in. Uh, but so that was sort of my, that was, that was why I joined. Uh, and I typically tell people that to me, at least there is definitely a difference, uh, in why I joined versus why I stayed. Uh, because like many men, I, I don't, I didn't get a very fulfilling experience back then, uh, through my initiatic experience. Uh, I definitely had a good experience. Um, but I was a little frustrated with the processes and, you know, like it, the majority of modern men these days, modern Freemasons. Uh, but so what I, what happened was I, I basically started uh, a method of self-study, uh, self-education, because I wasn't uh, getting it from my lodge at the time. And I, I jokingly referred to that as that's when I drank the Kool-Aid. Uh, I was fully on board then. Then I was connected not only with my grandfather from that, you know, that standpoint, but I felt like then I found the philosophy. I found the spirituality that I was missing, the connection uh, to nature, to divinity, to a lot of things that I had been missing and what I feel you know, most men these days are missing and why they seek out Freemasonry. So that's sort of my story is two-part story of, you know, joining to, to learn more and uh, have a connection with my grandfather uh, and basically just drinking the Kool-Aid and, and uh, really diving deep into the philosophy of Freemasonry. Well, I'm glad for both of the reasons because definitely Masonry <laughs> uh, has received a lot from, from your labor. I am, and I thank you for everything that you've done. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Now, there's if you have an opportunity now to speak to to that young man who joined masonry for whichever reason and is not finding what he came in looking not because it's not there but because it's not presented to him in the correct manner or he is not uh he's not like we have been what what could would you recommend to that to that brother uh for his fulfillment of what he seeks uh, sort of like what I just mentioned that I, I wound up doing with myself, which was self-education. Um, it's really easy these days to buy books online, uh, electronically, uh, you know, forums have sort of gone out of vogue nowadays, but there are, you know, tons of Facebook groups, uh, and, and things like that. Even if you can't get a fulfilling experience locally with your local lodge or your, your close uh, men that are around you, it can still pretty much be easily found uh, 
you know, in the pages of a book, that education is there. If you're only willing to read and seek it and study, and then if you have questions, there are still thousands upon thousands of men uh, available, just like this technology between you and I right now, uh, to to talk and discuss and share experiences. That's uh, certainly the the biggest. Uh, uh, biggest advice that I give any young man in Mason who has any kind of frustration is don't depend on others for your uh, total fulfillment. I love it. That's that's concise right there. Don't depend on others for your personal fulfillment. And and I hope that the brothers that are listening to the show or watching us on YouTube that they do take that to heart. Uh, I'm thankful that I I'm the kind of person that I. If there's something that I want, I go and get it. I don't wait for it to be handed to me. It's it's not in my nature, but not everybody has that uh, innately, and it might need a little bit of, of pushing. And I hope that you know, if if somebody is listening to this and feels that there is some sort of disparity between what you expected from masonry and what you're actually getting, it's in your hands. And luckily, Absolutely. like you said, we have the connections now. We have, we have access to the knowledge of the universe in one of these puppies. <laughs> I'm lifting a phone. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I've been so blessed to, to be able to travel all over the world. Uh, and, and I have friends now that, you know, I, I never would have met them face to face had it not been uh, for Freemasonry and my ability to travel. But there are still other men who I haven't been able to travel and meet yet. I mean, I, I've yet to be able to visit the continent of uh, Australia, but through technology, I'm able to have conversations like this, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, I can see you and I, you know, we can really interact uh, and, and I can still have a very tight connection with you as a brother, even though we've never met in person. That's right. And that's just, that's invaluable to, to human beings, not just Freemasons, but. Absolutely. And we should, and I think it's important and I try to convey this to as many people as I can do not take it for granted like we are in such a privileged place in history where we have access to all of these resources and yet they go squandered you know people just don't use them to the best of their ability so absolutely and, and you know i i fully believe we're in a time period where uh shrinking the size of the world through technology is even more important today um an aspect that I generally tell Freemasons is it is extremely important that you travel. Don't just be a tourist, but travel. Uh, mm -hmm. Experience other cultures. And I, I mean that on, on both a, 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 a community or a social standpoint as well as a Masonic standpoint. It's, it's important to travel to other lodges and experience other lodge cultures. But just as basic human beings, it's very important nowadays that we travel and experience these other cultures so that we're no longer uh, bound by, you know, these this hearsay of, well, that group of people is bad and whatnot. When you really go and you're able to uh, experience those cultures, you find much more value and, and are able to respect them, not just tolerate them or have a have a religious or a cultural tolerance, but you actually find a lot more respect. And uh, when you get away from the the bad, bad, you know, television, the news, the media that's always trying to split people apart, you you find out that you know people all over the world are much more alike than they are different. Um, a mother is a mother wherever you go. Uh, 
a soldier is a soldier wherever you go. L little kids are are little kids, whether they're playing with a $75 video game or a stick and a rock, you know. That's right. Uh, it's very, very important for the for the human race to to sort of realize that. And to, to sort of get back on your point, uh, this technology helps us do that. It helps us connect with other people. And like you say, we can't, uh, we can't squander that. We need to do that more. Stop relying on the news to tell us what type of people those people are over there on that other continent uh, and go find out for ourselves. Absolutely. Uh, it definitely puts travel in, in a different perspective. It's, it's yeah. enriching. It, it opens that empathy to other human beings that we might, we might have lost. Absolutely. Okay. That's wonderful. I, I, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, and, and traveling doesn't have to be something that takes you to another country. Traveling could be local. You could do absolutely. You could go to a different community in your area and even then have interactions with other strangers mm -hmm. that cease to be strangers. You can yep. forge relationships anywhere. Yeah. We have, uh, we have four different lodges that meet in my physical building where our lodge is and sometimes even just traveling you know not anywhere else physically but meeting in the same building just you know sitting in on a different lodges meeting uh, you experience that lodges culture and they may do things a little differently because you know our, our Colorado ritual may be the same but all the little traditions that every lodge comes up with it's it's interesting to 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 experience those. We can experience that in the same building or if we go five miles down the road to another lodge, it's even more different. Or, you know, like we said, we travel to another state, it can be very different. But it's it's very important just to, to experience those. And there you have it. That was part one of my conversation with Brother Robert Hurd. The conversation that we had uh, covered many topics and I think it was it was prudent for me to split it into two episodes so you can listen to the second portion of it where we talk about something that you might not know. Brother Robert Hurd had a hand in the development of what we today understand as the traditional observant movement. So you don't want to miss that episode that's coming on the next episode. We talk about many things including the beginning of that the importance of the pillar of beauty within the lodge how certain ceremonies and certain rituals that we have allowed to practically disappear from the craft are so important to our initiatic experience as you may know brother robert heard published a book about the initiatic experience and we talk all about it and you don't want to miss it so the following episode is a continuation of my conversation with Brother Robert Hurd. I want to say thank you to all the brothers that throughout the holiday season made my artwork a part of their wish list. Many brothers made a part of their collection, some of my paintings, which definitely is something that I appreciate because it helps support this program. I couldn't do this if it wasn't for the brothers that support the show by visiting freemasonryart.com. I've also incorporated at least three new styles of hand-painted Masonic aprons, and I would love for you to see them and let me know what you think. If you could incorporate those into your lodge or into your life, I would love to be a part of that as well. Let's not forget some of the things that we heard today in this conversation about the importance of understanding that, yes, we might be imperfect. Our speech might be imperfect. We should be diligent to work 
and improve the way in which we speak. That grammar and rhetoric and logic, some of the liberal arts and sciences, are crucial to the development of our life. That we can become better men and masons by paying attention to these little details that make us incrementally closer to becoming a perfect Ashler. And although we might never achieve that desired perfection, it truly is a noble endeavor to divest ourselves of the superfluities of life and become better fit for this society, for our families, and the Celestial Lodge above. As always, may your steps be firm and your path illuminated as we continue our journey up the winding stairs. <laughs>